Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome to Quran Convos, a podcast where we are exploring the many different ways in which you can connect with the Quran. In this season, the very first season, we are covering the theme of tadabbur, how to reflect with a deeper context, with a deeper meaning on the Quran. And this is based on the works of Imam al-Ghazali, rahimahullah, the 10 inward acts for the Quran's recitation. This is your brother once again, Sulaiman Hani. And alhamdulillah for our season finale, we have an exciting announcement that today, inshallah ta'ala, not only will we exploring the final and the climax really of the works of Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah on this topic of reaching an elevated spiritual state with regards to the engagement with the Quran. But most importantly, we have our dear beloved brother and our Shaykh, Shaykh Yasser Fahmi. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him and reward him for all the good work that he does. Shaykh Yasser, salamu alaykum, welcome to Quran Candles. Wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shaykh Sulaiman and all the ahibba barakallahu feekum for having me today. Hayyakum Allah, Shaykh. How are you doing today? How's everything with you? Alhamdulillah, tamam fadlu min Allahi wa ni'am. Alhamdulillah, all is well. Subhanallah, there was a time in which I was living close, but not close enough in uh, Boston. We didn't get the chance to uh, interact often. Subhanallah, most of the uh, encounters that we had were at conventions and conferences and other places. But I hope that that's a sign of uh, a good companionship, inshallah. Shaykh, before we get into today's topic, I wanted to start with a personal question. Can you share, if you're okay with it, can you share one instance in your life in which you were reciting uh, or listening maybe to the Qur'an and there was like a deep uh, emotional reaction, maybe a specific ayah or specific time, a specific passage, just for the sake of helping uh, listeners, inshallah ta'ala, to uh, connect, to be inspired, to be motivated, to reflect deeply on wanting to understand the Qur'an when they hear it. Is there something like that, similar to that, that you would be comfortable sharing? Uh, subhanAllah, these questions are always um, a little challenging, you know, because subhanAllah, the Quran is, it's like a lifelong journey and a companionship that uh, is with you in, in your high points and your quote-unquote low points. Um, you know, I, I have surah of the Quran that I'm intimately connected with over the years, like Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Rahman, Surah Yaseen, in different circumstances that just kind of played an integral role in my my spirituality, my mindset. But if there's if there's an ayah, um, I would say maybe twenty years ago, uh, I, I it wasn't. There was a circumstance where I, where someone had uh, lied very um, in a very ugly and just violent fashion, uh, and something that really, really hurt me. Um, I don't think I had experienced someone who spoke or lied or just kind of almost slandered in a way that that was very painful. And <clears throat> I remember just feeling the need to. I was, I was, I was very broken. I felt the need to go to the Quran, and I went to the Quran, and I literally just opened it and. Uh, it was on the page of Surah Al-Hijr, uh, and it's where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, "وَلَقَدْ يَضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ وَعَبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ And, uh, you know, this is where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and we know that your heart experiences pain, and, uh, you know, you become 
tight chested because of what they say. Uh, then Allah commands him. He says, Fasabbih bihamdi rabbik. You know, praise, glorify your Lord in praise. And be amongst those who prostrate. And, and, and worship your Lord until the inevitable truth, the reality of the end of all this comes. And that verse, it, it kind of revolutionized the way I thought and felt about everything, people, pain, lies, experiences. It gave me a framework to think very deeply about uh, how to negotiate the challenges of life. It's interesting that this ayah comes in Surah Al-Hijr. Now, Surah Al-Hijr is the uh, term for Mada'in Salih, you know, the place of where um, uh, Thamud uh, uh, was, you know, in the Arabian Peninsula. The literal meaning of the word Hijr is the rocky road. Uh, you know, and uh, I found this ending to this ver this chapter on the rocky road of uh, you're going to experience a lot of pain, <laughs> a lot of hardships with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones, with work in the Dawah space. I mean, I think Sheikh Suleiman and all the Mashaikh can attest to the different types of hardships that may come about and the the deep, uh, the tightness that comes in all spaces. No one is free of experiencing that in this created realm of the dunya. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a very clear description. He's like, I know very well the hardships that you go through. But what I want for you, what I command you and guide you towards is to glorify me in praise. You know, and it seems counterintuitive, but that's the truth. You know, glorify me in praise. And, and I want you to exist in a state of sujood, utter surrender to Allah's will. He is above any reproach, Allah Jalla fi ula, he is only to be praised and he is to be worshipped lovingly. And to do that until the inevitable reality of death comes. And I, you know, I, I remember thinking about this idea of like, until, and, until it, this truth and this inevitable reality comes. And it's kind of, I, you know, you, the Mufassirun say you can read it in a way that is one of tabshir and one of tanvir. The tabshir of it is like, worship your Lord until this time comes because it's all going to end soon. So don't worry too much. And then the nidara, the warning is, well, worship your Lord until death comes because it's coming very closely and be ready for it. So it just, it, it became kind of the central framing of how I dealt with so much uh, over the coming years. And it was a, it was a profound entryway for me. Uh, uh, that's one ayah that uh, I have a very deep connection to. Allahu Akbar. Jazakumullah khair for sharing that, Sheikh. I know that's personal, but subhanAllah, those stories, I think, really help motivate people. And in fact, although this seems slightly like a tangent, I, I have asked so many times, uh, groups of Muslims at conferences, in person, one-on-one, -on -one, I've asked, what is it about the Qur'an that, uh, convinces you it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And oftentimes, especially, you know, materialists and other people, they're looking for uh, something very uh, uh, empirical, right? They're not looking for the personal effects. Almost always the majority of responses are similar to what you, you, you shared, Shaykh, in the sense that 
uh, I, I needed something. It spoke to me. It speaks very uh, comprehensively to, to myself as a human being, helps me when I'm going through hardships, answers questions. For me, it's a guidance for everything in life about the most fundamental questions. Mm-hmm. So subhanAllah, the personal impact of the Quran seems to be for many people uh, a means of connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that mm-hmm. really does bring us to the last of the two uh, statements of Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah about the inward acts for the recitation of the Qur'an. The first of them is gradually raising uh, oneself or rising to a state in which you feel as if you are hearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech from Him. And so ideally, the more we recite and read and reflect and study the tafsir and attend many classes and programs online and offline, the more we should be growing in our connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and pursuing and experiencing a higher spiritual state. Uh, that reminded me of a statement of Al-Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, one of the earliest scholars. And think about the target audience that he's speaking to and where are we today? He says, the people before you considered the Quran to be correspondence from their Lord, so they would ponder it by night and they would act upon it by day. If this is the advice that he is giving about those who came before the Sahaba, uh, may Allah be pleased with them, then we are more in need of considering and acknowledging and remembering that the Quran is correspondence from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So oftentimes we ask, why do we not feel the same connection every time we recite or we listen to the Quran? And we see that Imam al-Ghazali rahmahullah suggested, and it is a suggestion that is extremely useful and beneficial, suggested that there are three levels of reciting the Qur'an. We can begin maybe with the first one. He states that the lowest level, uh, and uh, for many people, uh, a disclaimer, don't let this discourage you if you feel like you are just reciting the Qur'an, barely connecting and moving on. It's good that you are connecting, alhamdulillah. It's good that you are reciting. Keep up the habit and try to increase. But he says the lowest level is when you suppose that you are reading the Qur'an to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that you are before Him, you're standing before Allah. Therefore, your state is that of awe and you are begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for mercy. So the lowest level here is that you feel you are reciting the Qur'an to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The thought that came to mind when I was uh, reading this is that oftentimes, especially if you've ever had to recite to a Qur'an teacher that was very, very strict, your recitation in person is one thing, your recitation to a strict Qur'an teacher is another thing. If you have an exam or for an ijazah, it's another thing. If you're reciting for an international Qur'an competition, maybe it's another on another level. But imagine you're reciting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How would you feel in that case? And so, Shaykhna, what are some uh, benefits perhaps we can take from this uh, suggestion of the, the lowest entry point that we should have the minimum standard of reciting the Qur'an and feeling like we are reciting in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Well, you know, subhanAllah, the, um, you know, the way we should think about the Qur'an in this context is it's an affirmation of the fact that the Qur'an is the perfect um, revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the perfect, most sacred speech of the divine. The Qur'an is impeccable. It's above reproach. And so very often when we come to think about the disposition that different believers and individuals have around their engagement with the Qur'an and how it resonates or doesn't resonate. So often it's really a function of the user. We don't tend to uh, like to uh, affirm this, but the reason why we don't resonate with the Qur'an often is because it's a user error. Um, (laughs) I'm not 
approaching the Quran with the spirit and the disposition that is required to unlock the ma'ani, to unlock the meanings, the spirit, the beauty, the wonder of the Quran. If we want to really model the best way of disposing ourselves in approaching the Quran, then we have to look at the way of the Messenger وسلم, because if you if you go back to the story of uh, the beginning of Revelation and you see how the Prophet was when receiving Revelation, that gives you a lot of insight into how you and I have to position ourselves to receive Revelation. The markers of that moment were the following. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we, Did we not uh, find you seeking? Did we not find you looking for? And then we guided, we guided you. The Prophet was in a state of looking, searching, seeking, desiring, yearning. You know, imagine you're looking for your child who is lost in the playground. What happens to your senses? You literally can disconnect from the entirety of the reality around you. You can throw your wallet to the side, your phone. You will run across traffic. You will lose all sense of any type of basic consideration because you're looking for your child. And we've all kind of experienced ways in which when we're looking for something, how we may be, especially when we're in a distraught state, in an urgent state. Prophet was urgently looking for deeper, more profound meaning for this existence. He was unsettled. And so there is a disposition that is required that makes it that I am a miskeen. I am a faqir. I am someone who is in need. I need guidance. I need clarity. I need understanding. I don't have it, but Allah does. So what then does that uh, you know, instill within me as a disposition? I think that's a, that's a critical way of entry. There's more about how the Prophet his disposition in that moment of surrender and submission and humility, you know, that it was physical. Sayyidina Jibreel grabbed him. Prophet says, I don't know how to read, you know, so he negates his abilities. I don't know. I don't understand like what he's physically, he becomes scared of Gharhira. So, you know, he becomes spiritually submissive. So it was, you know, a holistic submissiveness. It was physical by the grasp. It was intellectual saying, I don't know how to read. It was spiritual in that he, you know, he say that Aisha says, ilayhi tahannuf. he used to love to go to Ghar Hirat, but that moment he became very scared of Ghar Hirat. So there was this holistic submission of the Prophet when engaging revelation. It was like, you know, I, I don't know. And so then Allah tells him, Iqra bismi rabbik. You read. Bismi Rabbik. And this ba, the letter ba is a very operative letter in this moment. Uh, Hisham says there's 17 meanings for the letter ba. And the letter ba, it, here it's like, bi'awnillah, bi'ithnillah, bi, uh, you know, bismillah, in the name of Allah, by the aid of Allah, because of Allah, bi'sababillah, you read. And then when that happens, it begins to unfold, <laughs> you know, the ayat, this is the garden, the garden of beauty, it's ayat, it's meanings, it's spirituality, all of the, you know, Quran al-Shifa and Nur and Hidayah and all of these ideas that it's light and it's healing and it's guidance and it's clarity and it is and it's increase and it's beautification. All of those realities of the Quran become unlocked, Billah. But you have to go to Allah with a certain disposition. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surah al-Baqarah, he says, yudillu bihi kathiran wa yahdi bihi kathiran. You know, there's many people who are misguided by the Qur'an, and there are many people who are guided through the Qur'an. So that makes you very curious, like, wait, a person can be misguided? No, because it all depends on how you're approaching. If I'm coming to the Qur'an with a, a aggressive doubt and skepticism, or I'm coming to the Qur'an with apathy, or I'm coming to the Qur'an with arrogance, I'm coming to the Qur'an with dismissiveness. You know, sometimes, okay, your, your mother or your father or your sheikh tells you, you know, go read the Qur'an. Fine, whatever. You know, you kind of roll your eyes, you pick up the Qur'an, you start reading. Okay, I read it. It did nothing for me. <laughs> what is the disposition of that user? What is the disposition of that reader? It's, uh, of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like a blockade, right? If you go and you're riddled with ideologies and philosophies that have colored your imagination, all the different isms, you know, and then you go read the Quran and you say, Billah, oh my God, I can't believe the Quran says that. Why? Because I'm already predisposed with a certain ideology or philosophy that colors my imagination and my perception of right and wrong and good and bad. And then I'm now projecting onto the Qur'an goodness and badness. And so it can become a source of balal. Why? Because I am imprint, I am impressing upon the Qur'an realities that are, that are from top down. Whereas our disposition with the Qur'an always has to be as, you know, we're on the bottom of the mountain and the Qur'an is the top of the mountain. So we are just kind of receiving. It's descending upon us. It's coming down to us. So it's so essential that when approaching the Qur'an, we assess our disposition. We do some muhasaba and what is the nature of the heart that is reading the Quran, the quality, the qualities, etc. Barakallahu Sheikh. Beautiful. On, on, uh, we have to unpack maybe a hundred different gems from what you just said. Jazakumullahiran. May Allah subhanahu wa taala accept from you. Uh, so to summarize the first level. Uh, just to, to remind the viewers, when you suppose that you're reading the, the Qur'an in front of or to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're standing before him, you're approaching him in a state of awe, you're looking for that connection, you're looking for growth, you're looking with humility. The second, the middle level, Imam al-Ghazali says, is when you feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you and addresses you by his kindness. Therefore, your state is one of modesty and humility. And the third and the highest state, he says, is when you feel the speaker in his speech and his attributes in its statements. Yeah. And one of the examples that he gave is, فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ and this has so many meanings to unpack and connotations, but essentially go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, flee to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, find refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oftentimes when we talk about these levels or generally the fact that people are in different places in their journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes people get discouraged. And so in a very uh, brief manner, what is one practical advice to those who are listening or for those who are listening? Uh, who feel maybe stuck at a low level in their journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's one practical advice we can give everyone? And it's in a way uh, mostly universal that everyone can do and move towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of the uh, levels that they are in and the, the connection that they have with the Quran. Shaykhna. So if, if you notice in the transition between the three levels of of connection, you see how in the first level, there's a, there's, a, there's a real focus on the self. It's about me. It's about what I'm going through. It's about what I'm doing. It's about how I'm reading, etc. The second is when you begin to experience, you know, in this, inter, in this interaction, the beauty. So you begin to 
see beauty, experience uh, upliftment, experience light. Um, you know, like Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, when uh, he says, you know, he heard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as someone was reciting. He he literally, he says, I, I heard Allah say, Kitabun uh, fihi dhikrukum. This is a book that in it is your remembrance. So he started to read the Quran. He's like, hold on, Allah is saying that this is a book that has in it my remembrance. Like I can find myself in the book. So he started to read and he read the very scary ayat. You know, what has placed you here in this depth in the valleys of hellfire? Well, you know, we were not of those who prayed and we were not of those who gave charitably. And uh, and we would just go, we would be wayward with those who were going. Like we would go with the flow of the, the ocean. Um, and then he they continue, he continues to read and he says, Allahumma inni abra'u min Like, Ya Allah, I don't see myself in that category. Ya Allah, please make me free of them. And then he continues to read and then he reads ayat um, of uh, piety and people who were like of remarkable standing, you know. Um, there were those who slept very little in the night and they would be in a state of istighfar in the suhoor hours, etc., etc. And these just very remarkable believers. And then he says, Ya Rabbi, Allahumma inni la ara nafsi fi ha'ula. Like, I wish I could be like those people, but I don't necessarily see myself there. And then he reads the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and then there are those who admit their mistakes and they mix between good, you know, righteous deeds and then bad, sinful deeds. Um, and they hope and pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive them. Allahumma inni ara nafsi fi ha'ula. You know, so then he like proclaims, Ya Allah, I see myself in these people. So this is, you know, that, that's the level when you're starting to engage the Quran you know, looking, searching, experiencing, observing beauty, observing uh, powerful ayat, uh, feeling the fear, you know, of a certain ayat, you know, uh, uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hellfire saying, well, if there, is there not more people that I can uh, torture? And so there's like, you experience fear, experience happiness. The highest level is this level when it's not, you remove yourself from the equation. And it's just an affirmation of Allah. So when you look at the Quran, the ulama say you're looking at the tajalliyat al-ilahiyya. You're looking at the divine manifestations. Jalalihi wa jamalihi. You're looking at the jalal of Allah. You're witnessing the majesty and the might and the power of Allah. And you're witnessing the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the wonder of Allah. But it's, it's just a witnessing. That's why it's called mushahada. You're witnessing realities. So it's no longer about you. You elevate. It's not longer about this level of just I'm, you know, what the Quran can give, give me. No, it's I just witness the divine. It's like imagine, you know, finding um, people when they find these uh, hidden scrolls that are thousands of years old or whatever, or they find etchings in a cave. They go and they're just trying to understand what is, like what's being said. And it could be the most benign things. It could just be, you know, this is how you slaughter a cow. <laughs> but people look at it with such wonder because look at what these people did. Well, the, the highest level, as Ibn, Imam Ghazali is noting, is that I'm someone who's just looking at the Quran, reading it, listening to it, hearing about it with wonder because it's just uncovering for me as a simple servant, as a humble believer, 
the realities of the divine. So I'm just lost in Allah's wonder. Yeah. Sheikh, subhanAllah, you perfectly transitioned us actually with the examples. Some of the examples that you gave uh, touch on both uh, the ninth and the tenth inward acts. So this really beautifully transitions us here towards the, the, the end of this uh, episode. Imam Ghazali, rahmallah, he says the final inward act basically is getting rid of any sense of your ability and your power. And normally, usually we would want to encourage people to be you know, confident in their abilities, their capacities, and to take action and to do. Um, and he talks about a number of things. So we take from this, the example, especially the one that you gave towards the end of the different attitudes of reciting the Quran and reaching verses and passages in which the righteous people are being mentioned. And for you to think, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not perfecting myself. I'm not reaching this level. Ya Allah, help me. Ya Allah, aid me. And then when you read, uh, he talks about this, when you read the verses condemning, you know, the, the evil people and the wicked, the sinners, the people of the hellfire, for you to feel like you are committing sins. May Allah protect me. Ya Allah, I don't want to be amongst these people. So when you're reading about the righteous, you're not automatically assuming that you are one of them as Imam al-Shafi used to say. And when you're reading verses uh, about the sinners, you're not automatically excusing yourself as though there is no fault. Rather, you know your limitation, you know your capacity, you have a sense of uh, guilt, but it's not the type of guilt that paralyzes or holds people back. Rather, it's a guilt that should be channeled towards wanting to improve. It's a guilt that's coupled with humility, recognition of where I am today and how many shortcomings I have. And so oftentimes, really, with this 10th and final act, there is this question that arises. Uh, is there a downside to having too much self-guilt or thinking that a person does not have ability and how do we strike a balance with regards to guilt and knowing that we are uh, sinners and knowing that we have shortcomings uh, balancing that with uh, our desire to to progress towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I think this is a very critical um, kind of consideration because this particular point and I believe the reason why Imam al-Ghazali kind of ends the uh, inward ahwal that we have to have is because one of the things that really kind of handicap us in life is the assumption that we intrinsically have power, that we intrinsically have ability, that we intrinsically have control. And so, so often when our circumstances are outside of our control, because it's like, I don't want this, but it's happening. It, it, it results in us having experiences of despair and dismay, and we become jaded. And we become, you know, just angry and bothered because realities are happening that are outside of our perceived sense of control. The beauty of la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, it's that it's very liberating. That if you theologically dispose yourself in a way that says, truly, there's no power or might or recourse except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that should liberate us to know that every ounce of control belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, that it is in the hands of the sovereign who is capable. And uh, that's us surrendering to reality as is, because experientially we know that we don't really have much control over anything. I mean, if we just assess our lives as it is, things, realities transpire, and very often we're trying to, to wrestle with them. So that's why surrender and affirming to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all control is a liberating and beautiful thing. Now, when we say 
affirm for yourself no control or no power that is in the theological sense of your existence because that makes it where i just i'm a simple servant i have to do what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects of me and he has everything and so whatever he wills is going to transpire whatever he wills will be it's just a matter of what allah expects from me on the day-to-day -day basis that's why you and i we just have to realize that all I am expected to do is utilize the means that Allah has given me every single day. Zahiran wa batinan, outwardly and inwardly. Zahiran, outwardly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants me to pray, to fast, to read the Quran, to do these acts, to go, walk to the masjid, to work, to give, to pay, to spend, to sacrifice give to people, help, support, pick up the phone, run to someone's help, you know, have someone move, asbab, utilize, exhaust all the means in your purview. It's a very practical, simple disposition. Inwardly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects of you to have husnuvan, you have a good opinion of Allah, a good opinion of Allah's creation. You have tawakkul, trust, reliance, commitment, surrender. You have uh, sabr, patience, beautiful patience. And so it is. It, it should in no way, shape or form make me feel somehow that I am uh, at a loss if I say I have that the control belongs to Allah, not to me. No, that should liberate me and free me and should allow me to understand that my role is specific and limited by Allah's command. And so that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, when Yaqeen comes, right? Not Yaqeen, uh, not Yaqeen, the organization, but <laughs> the inevitable reality of being in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is now going to be a reality of Allah's telling me, show me how good of a servant you are. Show me how good you are able to follow my commands, right? Not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to be interested in knowing how much you thought you were special or capable or unique or you could control or you could whatever. No, it's a matter of surrender and submission. That's why it's so much easier to be a servant than to be uh, to, than to have the false delusion of uh, choice and godliness almost like I am. It's a very suffocating to be this way because clearly we think we have and we think we are, but the reality is we clearly do not. So when you dispose yourself as a humble servant, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevates you. As the hadith says, you humble yourself to Allah this way, and you probably motioned with his hand going down, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uplift you this way. Because it is Allah who uplifts, you know, He gives the dominion, you know, and He gives honor to whom he wills and he strips it from whom he wills. So it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Walhamdulillah. You know, alhamdulillah, that's the case. That's a beautiful, beautiful way for us to kind of uh, conclude here. Uh, Shaykh, on that note, really, uh, as you were speaking, I was just thinking about how uh, if, we, if we approach the Qur'an with this mindset, it really protects us from ego, protects us from arrogance and kibir. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. One of the most destructive traits of the heart that really blinds people, no matter how much truth there is in front of them or how many signs they have within them, uh, arrogance destroys everything, burns everything. So the Quran humbles us. And also at the same time, it doesn't humble us in a manner that is uh, paralyzing. 
it reminds us so you have worth you have value you should be confident in the uh, choice of your actions and what you're doing but recognize at the end of the day all of the good that you have comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in fact, this should give us more confidence for those who are struggling with it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and guide us and connect our hearts to him and to his speech. Shaykhna, I know this is a weird request, but if you had to give a 10 second advice, I know perhaps they're going to cut this out as a clip. If you had to give a 10 uh, second uh, piece of advice uh, for all of those who want to connect to the Quran, again, a generic question, what's one thing everyone can do, inshallah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Allah gifted Sayyiduna Zakariya, his son Yahya, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Sayyiduna Yahya, and he said, Ya Yahya, khudil kitaba biquwah. Ya Yahya, take the Quran, the book, with strength and power. And this was commanded to Sayyiduna Yahya when he was a boy. Allah told him as a boy, take the Qur'an with resilience, with power, with purpose, with resolve, with intentionality. And so may Allah make us of those who take the Qur'an as a command from Allah to fulfill, to a call to action, to rise up, to move with purpose, with resiliency. Allahumma ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen. Ameen, Ameen. Jazakum wa khairan, Shaykh Yasir, for your time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you and elevate your ranks and reward your family as well and grant you many forms of continuous charities. This does bring us to the end of season one of Quran Convos. Alhamdulillah that we were able to cover the theme of tadabbur and the 10 inward acts of the recitation of the Quran. I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of those who are uh, listening and all of those who benefit from this, I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are guided to actions as well and to start these conversations and to benefit other people as well with all that we learn. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us, guide us and guide others through us. We will see you all next season, inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.